Hello guys, um, it's Amy. Hey guys, it's Lynn. Um, how are you on this fine um, Sunday night in February? Um, <laughs> in February? In February? I can't believe it's February already. Oh. Like the middle of February, it seems like it went by too fast. But um, we're back and we have a new story for you people. Um, we are doing a story on... Robert William Picton. Um, have you ever heard of him before we, before you wrote the list of serial killers in Canada? No. Okay. No, I have not. So, like, um, a while back, Lynn did a list of serial killers in Canada because someone on <clears throat> on a live cast that we did was, like, suggesting that we should check out some of the killers up there. And so she wrote, like, a list of a whole bunch of them. And so what's really fucking weird is we're at um, my house last weekend and because we're recording at Lynn's house this weekend. But um, last weekend we're over there and we're talking about who we're going to do this week. And um, there was a like a movie case that's for the Green River Killer. <laughs> and so she's like, what the hell? They have a, like a movie. It's like super low budget. It's like B rated. Um, I would not recommend it. I'm not even going to tell you who it's by because it doesn't matter. It was stupid. But anyways, um, so she's like, okay, who are we going to do this on? So um, I pull out the Canada list and we're like, okay, well, Robert Pickton is like the pig farmer guy or whatever. Yeah. And so we just kind of looked it up real quick and, and I'm like, yeah, he's, he's a pretty fucking big serial killer. So we're, we start listening to things like podcasts and reading stuff and come to find out this guy has like a connection with the green river shit so yeah. <laughs> like talk about a fucking coincidence it was so crazy totally fucking mind blown <clears throat> on that yeah for sure because i was like inside so i had text lynn real quick and i was like holy shit and like that dude was interviewed for the green river killings and gary ridgeway ridgeway was interviewed for the canada killings that's so fucking funny, though. Yeah, because they had assumed that the Green River Killer went into Canada, and because obviously the Green River Killer is in Washington right, State, only a couple hours away. Yeah, so it wasn't that far. So they're like, okay, this matches the MO and all of that. So, yeah. but obviously, it wasn't until like several years later that he was actually arrested for the Green River Killing. Because, um, anyways, that's a whole nother podcast. We're not going to get into it. But it has a connection, <laughs> which I thought was fucking cool. So um, it's awesome when we find connections. Hell yeah! The serial killers that we're doing it on—it's so cool. I love it because um, that means that for whatever reason we've seen that case and it was like telling us who to pick. Yeah, it's weird. It's super fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, we like a sixth sense. Yeah, hella creepy. Or a sixth sense if you want to get technical. <laughs> I thought you said sick sense at first, and I was like, oh, maybe she said six. Either yeah. way, it's. It's a sense, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it is fine. what it is. So um, this dude, uh, Robert William, and it's in quotes, Willie picked in, because apparently that's his nickname, um, was born October 24th, 1949. So hella old. Oh, yeah. Um, and he is named a Canadian serial killer. So he was convicted in 2007. Um, we're going to go through a little bit of background. So it's... There's a lot of shit, and so we're going to just kind of pick out the things that we thought were important to note, because um, obviously backstories matter. 
as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to know why this guy did it. He never said why he did it, but <clears throat> we can kind of confer our own reasons or whatever yeah. um, based on his background. So, anyways, so um, it says Robert William Pickton and his brother David owned a farm in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, which is 27 kilometers or 17 miles east of Vancouver. Um, so I just wanted to say, because I don't like that they're jumping in already, but so let's go um, through a little bit of background. So his mom and dad actually owned the farm first. Yeah. Okay. So they own a pig farm. Um, they had other animals like chickens and random shit like that. Um, but that wasn't really the thing that was weird. What was weird is they had all these kids and, um, the guy, like the husband didn't really take care of the kids at all. So, um, his dad kind of left everything to the mom and her, his mom's name was Louise. Um, but like the whole town basically said that these people were just dirty. They never showered. They never bathed. They were just disgusting. disgusting. Yeah. And like, I don't know how in the hell, like she didn't get her kids taken away, but like she would let the pigs run all over the place inside the house and everything. And didn't clean up any of the feces or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's fucking disgusting. Yeah, and so um, she mm. was not, she wasn't very cleanly. Cleanly. She wasn't a very good. <laughs> I was going to say she's not. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. She's not very clean. She wasn't very. Um, motherly she was really like cold she didn't really take care of her kids um very well and and it's reported that she favored her sons over her daughters because the boys could work on the farm better they were stronger and so um hold on one second um i can't type and talk at the same time but anyways um so I want to get into um, a little bit more, like, the dude's 70 right now, but, um, <clears throat> see, and they don't have his, like, his father was Leonard Pickton. Oh, so his mom is Helen Louise, but she, like, basically went by Louise, and then he had the David Francis, which is his brother, and Linda Louise Wright was his sister, so... At some point, his sister actually went to go live with an aunt. Yeah. When she was, I think she was 12, wasn't she? 12 or? Yeah. 12 or so. Yeah, around 12. Yeah, because um, she didn't like living like that. I mean, who the fuck would, you know? That's fucking disgusting. Yeah, right. And then, um, but the brother stayed. And anyways, they're just some sick people. Like, if you look at the pictures of this guy, he's like dingy to where like, even if he did bathe, you couldn't get the stink off. Yeah. Like, it was just disgusting. And then his family made a really smart move. Because, like, it's not that they weren't rich. They were rich. Right. They had so much money. They had a very profitable pig farm. Um, then they bought more land, actually. Um, and it was more wide-open spaces, but just, like, muck and mush. And so they bought more pigs. And there, also, the pigs just ran around wherever... And, um, it's just, I don't know. It's just bad. But, uh, 
they didn't even get to school most days because they were up all night taking care of the animals and they had to feed the animals and, and there's like shit yeah. ton of pigs. So like they were always out. But so I wanted to read this off of, um, what the hell is it called from the star? It's a, a newspaper thing and it's about, um, Robert Pickton's Pickton's mother's influence. So I'm going to read some of this, um, it says, um, she was a workaholic who ran the family meat business in Port Coquitlam. Eloise supervised the kids, expecting them to put in long hours, slopping pigs, and looking after other animals, even on school days. At one point during his boyhood, people told me when Willie wanted to hide from someone, he would crawl into the gutted carcasses of large hogs. Ew, what the fuck? So, um, like, they they actually raised and slaughtered the pigs themselves right. because like back before what they used to do um is they would slaughter them but they would have someone else sell them like sell the meat to the public right. or whatever but then when they bought this new land they could do everything themselves right they wanted to get the boys taught on how to slaughter slaughter the pigs too and so whenever someone would gut one of the pigs he would just hide in there, and he didn't bother him. And it was warm, he said, and it was a place to be away from everyone because nobody would look there. Fucking psychopath. I'm like, right, until, like, someone would go to cut a fucking pig. like. And the dumbass is in there. Yeah, know, like, I mean, it didn't happen, but, like, I would just think about it. If but, it did, we would be telling the story. Right. So he made, um, like, for being a kid, like, he wanted to raise some money. So he ended up putting in a lot of hours. And obviously his parents didn't pay him much, but he did other things and he earned enough money to buy a calf, like his own calf. And so every day after school, he would run home, feed his calf, you know, and one day he came home and his calf was gone and he couldn't find it anywhere. And so he ran up, um, like ran around the whole farm looking around and his, um, dad said, well, why don't you check the barn? Mm-hmm. And so he went into the barn and there was his calf gutted and hung and he just like lost his shit it really um bothered him a lot because if you if you're raised in this kind of an environment you have no personal connections and the fact that he was always smelly and dirty and everything obviously nobody at school wanted to be around him right right so he's just like isolated from human connection and so what did he do got himself a calf and he's like okay I'm going to take care of this. It gives him a sense of love and you know what I mean? And then his dad kills it. So basically like they say, if you live on a farm, like you get used to the animals getting killed for food because that's why, why they have an animal farm like that. However, this was not the pigs. Like for him, the pigs are fine. Like his mom didn't really feel bad about it. He was really angry. Like, more than upset, he was angry because it was his money. Right. Like, he didn't use family money. He earned it. He took care of that. And they basically didn't want him getting attached to animals. So they killed it. Um, Which is super fucked up. It is. So he was really slow in school, and he spent years in special education classes and finally quit partway through high school. Um, He did not date... Uh, obviously, personal hygiene is an issue, so nobody really wants to date him. Um, no, even after he grew up, he stunk of manure, dead animals, and dirt. His clothes were never clean. He had visceral fear of showers. Um, 
which he claimed was because his mother had always insisted he take baths. Um, so, like, they didn't shower at their house. When they did, when she did bathe the kids, it was once a week, and she would put him in the bathtub instead of a shower. And so he would not shower. He would sit in a bath. But, like, I have a weird thing about baths. Me too. <laughs> okay, good. So, um, are you sure this water? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not. Like, your feet. And your yeah. and your ass, for lack of a better word, is marinating in that water with you. <laughs> exactly, it's not getting clean. No, like I think that taking a bath and having like oils and all that to relax is fine, and then stand up and take a shower. Yeah, like that's exactly. And so I I probably haven't had a bath. Oh my god, I think we went. We had like a fucking jetted tub in Wendover. in Wendover, <laughs> like like, like a year ago. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it was actually two. I think it was actually two years ago, not the last. Yeah, year. and then like I have another weird thing about bathtubs not being clean enough, and yeah. so like I would have to literally take about 20, 30 minutes to scrub the bathtub myself before I would sit in a bath water. Exactly. So <laughs> it's so much work. I just don't even do it. It's anyway. It's not even worth it. <laughs> it's not. So I get him. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, so um. It says one of his friends was a self-appointed nag who would tell him when he was too rank to be endured and he would meekly obey her order to take a bath, always in a tub. So at least he had someone that was like, bro, like, I can't deal with it no more, please. (laughs) At least he had a friend. Um, His younger brother, Dave, uh, was learning to drive. Um, And so, like, if you... If you know, like, how the mom is or whatever, um, on the evening, October 16th, 1967, which was fucking forever ago, mm-hmm. um, Dave was 16, recently acquired his driver's license. He took his father's 1960 red truck from the farm and headed east along Dominion Avenue towards Burns Road. It was about 7.40. Just ahead of him, on the right side, one of the neighborhood kids... Oh, wait. Oh, it's this story. Okay, wait. Yeah, it's this part of the story. There's another... Um, sorry, I'm going to... Oh, when it was three, huh? That's what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so um, one time, sorry, let me go back. One time when um, Robert was three years old, he was in the car with his dad, and he accidentally put it in gear, and his dad beat the shit out of him for it. Yeah. Like, most parents would be like, oh, like, I should have fucking not left them in. I shouldn't have left the yeah. keys. No, he beat his his son for it. And then oh, yeah. the son ran in asking his mom for help. And then his mom beat him again because she thought, cause like he was all bruised and everything. Yeah. And he runs inside to get help from his mom. And his mom thought he was like playing in the river or something. So she beat him too. And so that was kind of the life he had. He was, and he was three years old guys. Um, so again, like, he's being pruned to be this way, to be cold to human yeah. beings and to take responsibility of things that are not his responsibility at an early age. Anyways, okay, fast forward back to Dave. Um, I just had to mention that because it, I think it is an important story to this. I mean, there's more stories about his upbringing, but these are just the main ones that stick out. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, he took his dad's 1960 red truck from the farm and headed east along Dominion Avenue towards Burns Road. It was about 7.40. Um, he's seen one of the neighbor kids, a 14-year-old boy named Tim Barrett, and he was walking down the road. Um, so no one knows or no one admits how it happened. Um, either way, Dave ran him over. 
So, and the kid was, like, it sounds like he was on the opposite side of the road, walking, like, against oh, traffic. Yeah, and he, like, maybe, like, or, towards him? I don't know. Either way, he ran him over, and Dave knew right away that Tim, who was lying crumpled on the road, was badly hurt. So, he ran home, told his mom what happened. So, Louise stopped what she was doing, ran over to the place where the boy was, um... And nobody knows if, like, they drove if they or drove or back. ran, whatever. Um, so she looked at Tim, and she shoved him into a deep slough that ran along the side. Is that how you say it? Slough? Yeah. Slough. Whatever. Slough. That ran alongside the road and pushed him in. And then she went home. So it's water. Um, basically, water and muck that's in there. Yeah. And so, like, it's said to say... Um, she just went home like it was no big deal. So Dave was scared, and he drove the truck to a mechanic and um, told him that he needed the dent to be bung out, or bang, bung out, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's because it says bang out a dent. Anyways, he asked him to bang out a dent in the front of the hood and replace a broken turn signal. He even said he wanted him to repaint it with the same red house paint because it wasn't painted with car paint. It was house paint. Um, the mechanic repaired the dent and the turn signal, but said he would not paint it because he was suspicious of what was going on. He's like, why the hell? Cause yeah. it's middle of the night. And, um, so in the meantime, the boy's parents that got hit was like looking everywhere for him. They called neighbors, um, just before 1am, they finally went to the police station and reported him missing. So the next morning, one of the neighbors, a woman whose son had seen Tim the night before went out to help them search the road area. Um, Barrett searched or spotted his son's shoe at the side of the road, looking around to this spot. He and his neighbor reached the slough that runs, oh my God, I can't talk, about 10 feet from the road. Peering down in the water, they spotted Tim's body. Could you fucking imagine that shit? That's so fucking horrible. Yeah. So the police arrived right away and pulled the body out of the murky water. An autopsy showed that the cause of death was drowning, not the injuries he suffered when the truck hit him. So they knew that he got hit by a truck because you could tell from the injuries. Right. But then he, if they would have called the hospital, like he would have been alive, but she stuffed him in there in that thing and it suffocated and drown, or drowned him or whatever because it's water and whatever the fuck. I want to know what kind of stuff is actually in there. But anyways, there's water. That's all we know. And he drowns. So um, he suffered a fractured skull with subcranial hemorrhage and a fractured dislocated pelvis. Um, from the accident, but the pathologist who did the autopsy stated that these injuries would not have killed him. So, I mean, he was super fucking injured, um, <coughs> but he could have lived through all of that. But like, imagine how fast he would have had to been going to fucking hit him. And he knew he hit him. Oh yeah. He probably so, did it intentionally. I think he did because like, if you, if you hear, maybe he didn't like that kid. Right. Maybe that kid made fun of him because, I mean, he's the smelly kid in class. Right. <laughs> so. Well, I don't understand because this, this thing says that the kid who fucking obviously drowned because the mom's a piece of shit. Uh, he says that he was in eighth grade, but Dave was 16. There's no way he was in eighth grade. Well, because so, the kid was 14. Oh. Well, yeah, but still two years. But maybe it was different then. Because, like, I know that back in the day, the ages were different for school when I was in school. Because oh. I'm old as fuck now. 
But like where high school is like certain things, it was different when I was in high school. Oh. That's why it's weird as fuck because our kids are like high school. You technically earn credits in your last year of junior high. But it's because they branched off from high school and put them in junior high because they didn't think they were big enough, like tall enough. The I kids wish are they shorter. Have done that for my school. No, instead, let's put ninth grade all the way through twelfth grade in one school. That's what I. Yeah, that's what happened to me too. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, so uh, says when he died, Timothy Frederick Fred, Frederick Barrett, who was born on February thirteenth, nineteen fifty three, was in eighth grade at the local public school. He had lived with his parents around the corner from Dominion Avenue. So he was like right down the street from his house. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And it says the address, but it says in a house that's now owned by the Pickton's crony and watchdog Bill Malone. So that's fucking weird. So the Barretts buried their son October 20th, 1967 in Port Coquitlam Cemetery after funeral, after a funeral service in the Garden Hill Funeral Chapel, whatever. <clears throat> So, three days later, um, the coroner report listed the cause of death as drowning, but nothing, but but noting noting the serious injuries caused by the vehicle that hit him. So, on March 1968, a coroner's jury, which I don't know what the fuck that is, I'm assuming that it's just to say, like, um, they pull people in and they're like, okay, because of cause of death, could you indict this person? I'm assuming it would be like that. Because, like, maybe. you know, a grand jury is like yeah. that. So maybe that's what a coroner's jury is. I don't really know. But anyways, so they listed they listened to evidence of several people, including neighbors, the mechanic who fixed the truck, and the police officer who investigated the case. The verdict was accidental death. Because the reason that they know who hit him is because the mechanic ratted. Good. The mechanic said he heard on the radio that the kid was found and that he had been hit by a car and anyone with information. So he was like, what the fuck? So that's right. why he called the cops. For it to be happening. This, yeah. It happened the same night. And the like, paint was on the kid still. Oh, my God. So there's no denying it. Yeah, there's no fucking denying that. Um, so anyways, the verdict was accidental death out of that coroner's jury. But at the same time, as the coroner informed the five-man jury, a criminal investigation was underway. And that investigation, of course, went into Dave's actions of the night. He did not get off scot-free. He was sent to juvenile court. More details are not available, however, because his record is sealed and the coroner's inquest was not mandated to investigate all of the little mysteries or whatever. Louise was never charged. Why, though? She is the reason he died. Exactly. So her son went to juvenile hall for running him over, but she should have went to prison for pushing him into a fucking whatever the fuck it is with water. A slough. A slough. A slough. A slough. <laughs> and I feel like shit the sloth. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> if she wouldn't have done that, he would not have fucking drowned. So right, he wouldn't have fucking died. She should have been charged. I mean, he actually. Uh, uh, he had a brain hemorrhage though. Yeah, but if he would have called the cops and they would have got to the hospital, he may have lived. We don't know because they didn't give him a chance. So I think because of that, like, if you look at, this is Canada, by the way, so we don't know if their rules or laws are the same. But here, at least, we know that if you kill someone or say you injure someone really bad, then you do something else to them to hide their body and then they die that way, you're getting convicted of the part that 
like if you wouldn't have done that extra thing, they would have lived. Lived. It yeah. would have been a different charge. Yeah. But they exactly. charge you with the worst one, obviously. Or yeah. in some cases, they charge you with both. They're saying absent of the fact that you put him in the water, right? He would have survived. It would have been attempted murder, and uh, my God, I just had in my fucking head. What is that one? Uh, fucking tampering with a body? Yeah. Yeah. Desecration of a body. Yes, that thing. Yeah. So. <laughs> that one. Whatever the fuck right. I was thinking about. However, because in this situation, she would have been, it would have been um, probably aiding and abetting a fucking, a crime. Right. It would have been, um, well, it wouldn't have been desecration of a body because he wasn't dead yet, but it would have been probably manslaughter involuntary manslaughter because she thought he was already dead and she yeah, was just trying maybe. to hide it. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah. either way, fuck that bitch. She didn't get charged, but the true story quickly got out among the neighbors. Many years later, in the 90s, Willie told the story to one of his closest friends. This friend told me, which is the author, not me. Um, while this event would have scarred Dave more than his brother, this chilling portrait of Louise as his mother remains. So what about the father, Leonard? He had, according to the family, friends. Very little influence on his children, we know. Um, but Russell McKay, the court watcher and retired port Coquitlam welder who had done work on vehicles at the farm, told me he had heard stories of Leonard's violence, violent abuse of Willie. To balance this view, I also reached newspaper interviews. Sorry, I also read newspaper interviews with Linda Pickton Wright, who talked about her father with great affection. Um, I couldn't let go of the belief that it was Louise, not Leonard, who had been the main influence in Willie's life. Everyone who knew him, knew them, told me Willie was very close to his mother. Had she supported him, helped him, or his brother and sister set up a business? Did she have any role at all in their working lives once they were grown up? These are all questions that we don't really know. So now we're going to go back to Wikipedia background. So it says the Picton brothers began to neglect the site's farming operations, clearly. Um, it says that he had no um, evidence of substance abuse. He was just a really bizarre, quiet guy. Um, and what's really fucking weird is they registered as a nonprofit charity. Um, so, a nonprofit charity is only like it doesn't make your business a good, like a holy place. It's just a tax thing. Because yeah. if you if you register as a nonprofit, then you don't have to pay the taxes. So it's different. So um, maybe they were smart doing that. I don't really know. But um, they named it the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. Um, and that was registered with the Canadian government in 1996, claiming to, quote, organize, coordinate, manage, and operate special events, functions, dances, shows, and exhibitions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other worthy groups, end quote. Um, the events included raves and wild parties featuring Vancouver sex workers and gatherings in converted slaughterhouse on the farm. The events attracted as many as 2,000 people. Members of the Hells Angels were known to frequent the farm. So on March 23rd, 1997, Picton was charged with the attempt... Wait, I don't want to read that yet. Well, it's the first one, isn't it? It's the first one where you okay. got off scot free. Okay, so yeah, we'll read that. So on March 23rd, 1997, Picton was charged with the attempted murder of sex worker Wendy Lynn Ester, East, Eastetter, Eastetter 
who he stabbed several times during an altercation at the farm. Eastetter had informed police that Picton had handcuffed her, but that she had escaped after su- suffering several lacerations. She told them she had disarmed him and stabbed him with his weapon. Picton sought treatment at the Eagle Ridge Hospital while Eastetter recovered at the nearest emergency room. He was released on, on Can- Canadian 2000 bond. I don't know if that's the same amount of money. Let's check. Mm-hmm. Let us find out. Um, Canadian dollar? I don't. It doesn't really say. It doesn't say if it's the same as a as a real dollar. Um, look at the transfer or what is it called? Fucking uh, what do you call that shit? The convert conversion rate? Yeah. Okay, let's see. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> what the hell? It's you. You're doing it. I'm not doing anything. I'm pressing the two zero goddamn. Oh, it says one Canadian dollar equals seventy six cents in the United States dollar. Star- so then put um, <laughs> so two thousand dollar bond would be what? So Canadian dollar two thousand. Stop, Stop doing United quick. States dollar. I'm Go not, to Canadian dollar. And I put did. $2, I am. I'm two. trying. Oh, oh, it won't let you. Click it. Click it. Click it. Oh, what the hell? No, click oh, that. Oh, oh, hold on. Oh, you have to do it like that? That's fucking stupid. By twos? That's retarded. Why do you have to do that? I don't know. They're stupid. <laughs> I'm like, this conversion thingy is fucking weird. It's going to be a while. <laughs> Just Google... How much? What is two thousand dollars in you? Yeah, whatever the fuck. Okay, anyways, so the charge was dismissed January nineteen ninety eight. Months later, the Pictons were sued by Port Coquitlam officials. Oh my god! Hold on! Hold on! Oh god! For violating zoning ordinances, she'll get it, guys. It's fine. Um, Neglecting the agriculture for which it had been zoned. I got, I got it. If I my dumbass didn't have my fucking numlock on. Well, that makes a lot of sense now. So, 2000 Canadian dollars is... 1000 Basically, like, 1500 bucks in um, U.S. dollars. But, so, anyways... Um, now that we figured out that I'm an idiot. So yeah. So, the charge for attempted murder was dismissed January 1998. Months later, the Pictons were sued by court, Port Coquitlam officials for violating zoning ordinances neglecting the agriculture for which it had been zoned, and having, quote, altered a large farm building on the land for purpose of holding dances, concerts, and other recreations, end quote. The Pictons ignored the legal pressure and held a 1998 New Year's party, after which they faced an injunction banning future parties. The police were authorized to arrest and remove any person attending future events at the farm, the society's nonprofit status was removed the following year for inability to produce financial statements. It was subsequently disbanded. So um, the only thing I think is really weird is how they didn't really talk much about how um, what happened to his mom. No. During this time, we don't know, but maybe it's because, like, you know how they had two farms. Maybe she let them buy the other farm. Well, his sister. Um... From the podcast that we listened to, his sister be, uh, became a real estate agent. Oh, right. And that's how they ended up getting, like, fucking millions of mi- upon millions of dollars each fucking kid. And then, 
Oh, because she sold the one farm, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. She sold the one farm, but the trust, which is complete bullshit from his from his mom, from the podcast, Dave and Linda got like eighty six thousand or whatever out of it, and fucking Robert only got twenty six thousand, and then the rest of it he couldn't touch until he was forty years old. Why? Trust? I don't know. His mom just set it up that way for some fucking. Because she fucking reason. hated him. Probably. She's just a bitch. I don't like her. I don't even know her, but I don't fucking like her. Um. Okay, so, and we know that Robert Pickton is stinky, smelly, <coughs> nasty guy, and so nobody actually wanted to date him. But prostitutes need to make money, right. and he would pay them sometimes two hundred dollars each time or for a blowjob, or he would offer them drugs. Yeah, or drugs. Um, oh, I was like, you're vaping. I'm like, why is there smoke? Okay. <laughs> it scared the fuck out of me. Cause I was like, is something on fire? Okay. Uh, no. So over the course of three years, who the fuck is his Cox? I don't know, but that sounds real dirty. <laughs> his Cox, his Cox <laughs> noticed that the women who visited the farm eventually went missing on February 6, 2002 police executed a search warrant for illegal firearms on the property because like he already brought attention to himself by being a liar on the zoning and holding all these parties and stuff. And you can't have big ass parties as a nonprofit in a fucking slaughterhouse. Just saying. Um, anyways, Robert and David Pickton were arrested and police obtained a second warrant using what they had seen on the property to search the farm as part of the BC missing women investigation. So they had a task force. A British Columbia missing women investigation because there were all these women that were coming up missing, which if we can say now, that is why they interviewed Gary Ridgway right. about it because they it had assumed, too. yeah, and there, it was basically the same MO, um, personal items belonging to missing, missing women were found at the farm, which was sealed off by members of the joint task force. The following day, Picton was charged with weapons offenses. Both of the Pictons were later released. However... Robert Pickton was kept under police surveillance. Surveillance. My braces are getting in my way today. (laughs) Surveillance. Um, On February 22nd, Robert Pickton was arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. On April 2nd, three more charges were added to the murders of Jacqueline McDonald, Diane Rock, and Heather Bottomley. A sixth charge for the murder of Andrea Jonesberry was laid on April 9th, followed shortly by a seventh for Brenda Wolf. On September 20th, four more charges were added for the slayings of Georgina Pappen, Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark, and Jennifer Firminger. Four more charges for the murders of Heather Chickencock. Shinnick? That's not Shinnick. Shinnick? Okay. Shinnick. (laughs) <laughs> Tanya Holick, Sherry Irving, and Inga Hall were laid on October 3rd, bringing the total to 15. So, not going to lie, when I was listening to the podcast, when I first heard them say that name, yeah. I thought they were going to say Teresa Hallbach, and I was like, Oh, oh God, I would have died. Like, oh, my God. And then it, I realized it wasn't the same. Oh, okay. And Wouldn't that be sad. crazy? <laughs> it was Helen Hallmark. Is that what the one that you thought was similar? No, the oh. one for Tanya Holick. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? You're like, who is that? Who is that? (laughs) (laughs) This was the largest investigation of any serial killer in Canadian history. On May 26, 2005, 
Twelve more charges were laid against Picton for the killings of Kara Ellis, Andrea Borhaven, Deborah Lynn Jones, Marnie Frey, Tiffany Drew, Carrie Koski, Sarah DeVries, Cynthia <clears throat> Felix, Angela Jardine, Wendy Crawford, Diana Melnick, and Jane Doe, bringing the total number of first-degree murder charges to 27. So there's a Jane Doe because she's never been identified. Right. Um, anyways, so excavations continued at the farm through November 2003. The cost of the investigation is estimated to have been $70 million by the end of 2003. And that's $70 million in Canadian money, but it still makes a makes it a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. As of 2015, the property is fenced off under lien by Crown of Right, British Columbia. In the meantime, all the buildings on the property, except a small barn, has been demolished. Forensic analysis proved difficult because the bodies may have been left to decompose or been eaten by insects and pigs on the farm. During the early days of the excavations, forensic anthropologists brought in heavy equipment, including two 50-foot flat conveyor belts, and soil sifters to find traces of human remains. Could you imagine that kind of a job? That'd be so shitty. Yeah. On March 10th, 2004, the government released or revealed that the Picton may have ground up human flesh and mixed it with pork that he sold to the public. The province's health authority later issued a warning. Another claim was made that he fed the bodies directly to his pigs. So, and he could have. We don't know. He, um... I'm pretty sure he did because he was talking to uh, he was talking to someone out of the podcast that we were listening to. Yeah, he and was talking to the cop. I don't know if it was the cop. I think it was like one of his friends that he was talking to. Oh, maybe. Um, that he said that pigs basically eat it. Well, they do. And if you've ever seen a, a horror movie when there's pigs and like they oh, yeah. sick the pigs on you because the pigs they will eat anything. And um, it would be the perfect way to get rid of bodies, right? So, the only reason that he got caught for, like, murders is because he brought attention to himself by doing yeah. the parties. But also, I think he didn't have a, um, like, that divide between human life value because of yeah. his, how he was brought up. Yeah, exactly. Like, he just seen everything as slaughter. <clears throat> so, it might not have mattered much <clears throat> to him. But... In the podcast, he also said, basically, that, um... He was talking to a prostitute. I don't know. I don't remember who. I don't remember which one it was, but I think it was one of the ones that he like befriended or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, said, no, it wasn't old one that he befriended. It was one that he was trying to kill, but he let her go. But he basically said that if they, if the prostitutes were trying to like get clean and everything, and then they relapsed, then they deserved to die. Oh right, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he was saying like. Because he never actually did drugs. But what no. I think is crazy is that he would give the drugs to the prostitutes. But then right. he was like, well, you do drugs, so I can kill you because you're a piece of garbage. Basically, yeah. But you gave her the drugs, bro. Exactly. I don't know. But um, so there's um, a thing where he was in jail and they put like a cop, like an undercover cop in there to talk to him. <clears throat> and... Um, it was in Vancouver, British Columbia jail cell, and he. There's like a video on YouTube, actually, too. It's on Washington Post, also. I yeah. Do you want to play it? He says "fuck" a lot, man. 
He does. Okay. We're gonna play it. Let me make sure my sound's all the way up. Oh, I don't know why I'm moving my phone because it doesn't matter. I'll move the mic. Hold on, guys. If it sounds crazy, I'm so sorry. Okay, go. Oh, you can barely hear this one. Uh, but he... So, yeah, you can't really hear it too much, but it has, like, subtitles on it. But the under upper undercover officer is like, fuck, what have they got? Like, what have they got on them? And he's like, fuck, there's old carcasses. And the cop says, so what have you got? You know what I'm saying? DNA? And the officer says, fuck. And Pickton says, yeah. And the officer says, come on, buddy. That ain't nothing. They can't finalize, though, if you fucking got a missing person. And the officer says, it's fucking pretty hard to collect DNA on that. And Pickton says, they've got DNA. And he's eating in his cell while he's saying this. Yeah. Um, and the cop's like, I find the best way of disposing of something and taking it to the, uh, the ocean. Yeah. I think he just wants to do, like, try to get him into talking about it. Oh, this is where he brought up the pigs. What did he say about the pigs? That they basically eat anything. And then oh, he also yeah. says that he uh, used the... Oh, yeah, he says, I did better than that. And then he tells the cop, come on, go to the fucking thing. I already stopped eating your damn food. <laughs> well, yeah. I have like a quote on here. It says it right here. He used the rendering plan. Oh. That's how. So, what do you mean? That's how what? That's how he got rid of the bodies. What that's is a rendering plan? I think that's what they use to like do all the slaughtering and stuff. Oh, so he did grind up the people. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so he he said, quote, to this police officer, I made my own grave by being sloppy. Doesn't that just kick you in the ass now? Um, picked and told his cellmate, adding that authorities were planning on charging him with murdering 49 women. He says, I was just going... Oh, son I was of a bitch. Fucking do one I more. was just going to fucking do one more, he says, to make it even. And then the cop is like, half of a hundred. I was like... Yeah. It reminds me of, like, I don't know how, maybe because he's just stupid. He doesn't know that that guy is a cop, but I was, like, half of a hundred. Like, duh. It's, like, I don't know. It just seemed really stupid and really a fake conversation. But anyways, so the that was in 2002, and that confession was captured on video. And why do you keep... Did you see my phone do that? Or my fucking laptop? I don't, I don't get how that cop could have been that fucking calm, though. Because they're like, undercover, so they have to fake well, yeah, it. But still, I... Oh, God, no. But it says, um, it would play a role in Picton's conviction for killing six women for which he was sentenced to life in prison. So in a book published 14 years later, which, how, um, Picton fucking wrote a goddamn book and they let him. So apparently they don't have the same laws as we do here. Um, yeah, he claims that he was the fall guy for a bungled investigation. If you want to know what that book is called, it literally is called Picton in his own words. If you... <laughs> Motherfucking fuck. Okay. Oh my god, it did it again! Why is it doing that? It keeps scrolling and I'm not even touching it. So anyways, they said the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, which are the ones that ride horses were desperately failing to do their job properly while looking for someone to take the fall, which is truly evil, Picton writes in his book. 
Um, the book, which was reportedly smuggled out of prison, has drawn instant and intense outrage from the families of Picton's victims. It really disgusts me to know that the worst serial killer in history have the nerves, has the nerve to write that book and reopen wounds. Um, he is taunting us, the victims' families. Yeah, there's no question that he is taunting us. Within hours, a petition calling on Amazon to stop selling the book amassed more than 50,000 signatures. The company pulled the book from its website, although at least one other major online bookseller continued to carry the book as of Tuesday morning. I don't know when this was wrote, but anyways. Um, it says the controversy has caused a California man and Colorado company involved in the book's publication to issue apologies for promoting the serial killer's 144-page self-defense. Outskirts Press apologizes to the families of the victims for any additional heartache this may have caused. If I had to do it all over again, I would say no. Um, it didn't. I didn't think this book was going to be as big of a deal as it is. Really? There's people who have fucking rated that book. One one person rated it five. Two people, no, three people marked it as being a four. Two people, no, three people for three stars. Two people for one star and two people for two stars. See, but you know, too, in that um, interview, he had told that cop, that they that the police had only half of the real number that he did, which is like the twenty seven. So right. he said that he was bigger than the ones in the states, which he was like referencing John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy. Um, but he did prey upon drug addicts, prostitutes, picking them up in Vancouver's red light district, which is like the the host row. Um, before driving them to his farm where he had sex with them, before murdering them in a variety of horrific ways. Um, he filled up syringes with antifreeze. Um, and he said, if you inject the stuff, you're dead in about five to ten minutes. That's what he told the undercover officer. And he allegedly handcuffed and stabbed other victims, including one woman who managed to escape naked and bleeding in 1997 after stabbing him with his own knife. So that's that one that he didn't get charges on, that first one. So... But that woman was considered unreliable by police because she was a hooker. And, and, and yeah, and a drug addict. Um, when he was finally arrested in February, it was almost by chance, you know, because they were looking for weapons. And they ended up finding a lot of items that people had listed were belonging to these women yeah, that were missing. Like, they found, like, purses and uh, IDs and stuff. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I do want to say, though that um, he ended up only getting charged with six, the death of six women. So on count one, two, six, seven, 16, and 11, those are the women that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that he was charged for murder with. There were 20 other charges that he stood accused for first degree murder, and they ended up not charging him. They decided not to charge him on August 4th, 2010. Um, I don't know why, but it says as of March 2, March 2, March 2nd, 2006, the murder charge involving the unidentified victim has been lifted. So they did not charge him with that unidentified the Jane Doe. Um, and then Pickton refused to enter a plea on charge involving this victim 
known in the proceedings as Jane Doe. So the court, I'm losing my voice. So the court registered a not guilty plea on his behalf. The count ha as drawn fails to meet the minimum requirements set out in section 581 of the criminal code. So basically, um, for whatever reason, there wasn't enough evidence. The fact that he was on her body or parts of her body were on the farm should have been enough, I think. Um, but he's also implicated in the murders of the following women, but charges have not been laid. And it's Marianne Clark, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Yvonne Marie Bowen, Dawn Teresa Cray, and two other ident unidentified women. Um, after he was arrested, many people started coming forward and talking to police about what was going on at the farm. One of the witnesses that came forward was Lynn Ellingson. And she claimed to have seen Picton skinning a woman hanging from a meat hook years earlier. She didn't tell anyone about it out of fear for her life. Um, additionally, she had admitted to blackmailing him about the incident on more than one occasion. So the victim's children filed a civil lawsuit on May 2013 against the Vancouver Police Department, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and the Crown for failing to protect the victims. They reached a settlement in March 2014 where each of the children was compensated $50,000 without an admission of liability. Um, on August 20, 2006, Thomas Lodemy, a 27-year-old Fremont, California resident, claimed he had received three letters from Robert Picton in response to letters that he had sent under an assumed identity. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The letters in the letters... Picton allegedly speaks with concern about the expense of the investigation, asserts his innocent, and quotes and refers to the Bible, um, praises the trial judge, and responds in detail to fictional information about the letters, which are written under the guise of Maya Barnett. So I wonder if that guy was just trying to get him to admit to it or something like that? Maybe. Because that's crazy, but... um. So it basically didn't do much. There is a film called full flood that in 2015 they began production based on Stephen Cameron's book on the farm which is a book about Robert Picton also it was to use the life expectancies of Picton's victims for a fictional story about women in the downtown east side who became victims of a serial killer um, there's also like we were talking about that autobiography um even though they pulled it from Amazon, it's still out there. People are still selling it and shit. But, um, so on Murderpedia, there's, there's two movies, the pig farm. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to say that the information that was presented to the church, the church, <laughs> the court. um, I wanted to talk about what they actually had found because we hear all this stuff about them finding things that belong to victims, but they had way more than just that. Um, so let's see here. Um, oh God. So Crown Council. Oh, who's that? <laughs> Who is that? Oh, God, I shouldn't be laughing. It's one of his victims. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so um, Crown Council, Daryl Previtt, told the jury of evidence that was found on Picton's property, including skulls cut in half with hands and feet stuffed inside. The remains of another victim were stuffed in a garbage bag in the bottom of a trash can, and her blood-stained clothing was found in the trailer of which Picton lived. Part of one victim's jawbone and teeth were found in the ground um, beside the slaughterhouse, and a 22 caliber revolver with an attached dildo containing both his and the victim's DNA was in the laundry room. The fuck? 
Why would you have a dildo attached to a gun? Because he fucked her and then shot her with it. <laughs> like, haven't you seen that movie? It's called Copycat. No. Wait, no, it's not. It's called Seven. You have to watch it. It has fucking Morgan Freeman. Oh, is that the movie that has like what's in the box? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> so have you seen where? Wait, no. Is it? That's is it that one? Yeah. Anyways, sure where Brad Pitt? In here? Yeah, I yeah, think so. Yeah, where the guy like is has to have like a dildo that's a knife, and oh, he yeah. like yeah. So it's okay. like that. Okay. Jesus. Anyways, um. <clears throat> In a videotaped recording played for the jury, Pickton claimed to have attached the dildo to his weapon as a makeshift silencer. Oh. Okay. Lord. Jesus. Um, as of February 20th, 2007, the following information has been presented to the court. The items found inside Pickton's trailer. A loaded twenty-two revolver with a big spiky black Hindu-made dildo over the barrel and one round fired boxes of three fifty-seven Magnum handgun ammunition, night vision goggles, two pairs of a faux fur lined handcuffs, a syringe with three milliliters of blue liquid inside, and a Spanish fly aphrodisiac. A videotape of Pickton's friend Scott Chubb saying Pickton had told him a good way to kill a female heroin addict was to inject her with windshield washer fluid. A second tape was played for Pickton in which an associate named Andrew Bellwood said Pickton mentioned killing prostitutes by handcuffing and strangling them then bleeding and gutting them before feeding them to the pigs. Um, also photos of contents of a garbage can found in Picton's slaughterhouse, which held some remains of Mona Wilson. <clears throat> so in October 2007, a juror was accused of having made up her mind already that Picton was innocent. Um, the trial judge questioned the juror, saying it's reported you said that what you had seen, you were certain that he was innocent. There's no way he could have done this. The court system had arrested the wrong guy. The juror denied this completely. Justin, Justice Williams ruled that she could remain on the jury. Since it had been proven, she made the statement. Since it had not been proven, she made the statements. Um, Bitch, how do you think he's innocent? He looks like someone who would. Right? He's... I don't know. Um, no, that's weird. Yeah, so... It says, on December 9th, 2007, the jury returned a verdict that Pickton is not guilty on six counts of first-degree murder but is guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. A second-degree murder conviction carries a punishment of life sentence with no possibility of parole for a period between 10 to 25 years to be set by the trial judge. On December 11th, after reading 18 victim impact statements, British Columbia Supreme Court Judge Justice <clears throat> sentence picked into life with no possibility of parole for 25 years, the maximum punishment for second-degree murder, and equal to the sentence which would have been imposed for first-degree murder conviction. Mr. Pickton's conduct was murderous and repeatedly so. I cannot know the details, but I know this. What happened to them was senseless and despicable. Um, let's see. The British Columbia Court of Appeals rendered judgment in 2009 on two appeals, one brought by Crown Prosecution and the other brought by the defense. Why would Crown Prostitution... Prostitution? <laughs> <laughs> Crown prosecution file and appear. Oh my god. <laughs> guys, <laughs> guys, I'm done. Okay. Um oh god. So it says, oh, because they wanted to appeal the first degree murder part. Um and then the other one <clears throat> picked in, filed an appeal. 
seeking a new trial for six counts of second-degree murder. Um, the notice of appeal enumerates various areas in which the defense alleges that the trial judge aired the main charge to the jury, the response to the jury's question, amending the jury charge, similar fact evidence, and picked in statements to the police. So they issued the decisions, but some parts were not publicly released because of public bans that are still in place, publication bans. So the Court of Appeal dismissed the defense appeal by two-to-one majority because there was a dis dissent on a point of law. Picton was entitled to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada without first seeking leave to appeal. Um, he did file a notice of appeal. Um, anyways, he did not win his, his, <clears throat> his appeals. He's still in prison. Um, let's find out. Um, the Chepity, the Chepity, the Deputy <laughs> Chief Constable, um, apologized to the victim's family saying, I wish from the bottom of my heart that we would have caught him sooner. I wish that the several agencies involved that we could have done a better job in so many ways. I wish that all the mistakes that were ma made, we could undo. And I wish that more lives would have been saved. Um, which I think is awesome that they did that, you know, what? So. Oh, I was like, what happened? Going back, I mean, they could have stopped him completely because they they were going to charge him for that first girl. The, that first girl. Fucking but they Wendy didn't believe her. Because they didn't believe her because <clears throat> she was on drugs. Yeah. Exactly. So. They literally had evidence. They could have done it. and they it, had the fucking. But I think that's why he was apologizing. I think that's why he was apologizing, though. Um, Maybe you would have just done your fucking job. So the 20. The other 21st-degree murder charges involving other female victor, victims, um, I guess it said that a family member of one of the 20 women named as alleged victims told the media that the Crown had told her a trial <clears throat> will not be or will not proceed. On August 4, 2010, Crown prosecutors stayed the balance of the pending murder charge against Picton, ending the prospect of any further trials. Um, the 20 charges were formally stayed by Crown Counsel, and let's see, yeah, so that's about it. So, he never got charged with the other victims. Um, you can go on Murderpedia, and it has, like, the name and stuff of all of the original 27 counts, and, like, when they were last seen and all of that. Um, but yeah, dude's a fucking psycho. So, um, it does say a woman turns up after two decades. One of the women's, or one of, one of the women's, <laughs> fuck my life, guys. It's been a long week. Um, police are removing one of the names from the list of missing women after the woman called police and her family to say she is fine and living in the United States. Linda Grant. So she was, she disappeared in 85. Um, saying she moved away when she was 25 after losing custody of her two young daughters. So even though Grant's name is removed from the list of missing women, there's still 67 missing women. But at least one is found, which is awesome. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so basically there's so much stuff, guys, and we're, we can't go over all of it because it's already – there's just too much. But this guy's a fucking creep-ass fuck and deserves to rot in prison, and I hope somebody feeds oh, yeah. his body to a pig. Right. Because, like, what I think is stupid, though, is that his sister wanted to get away from all that life, and then she helped him. You know? They're all still really close to each other. 
Yeah. But he doesn't have any, he doesn't feel any remorse for what he did. No. What, how, why would he? But he was he raised never, to not give a fuck about right. people. Right. But that's why it's really fucked up, though, because, like, he doesn't even have, um, like, he doesn't say why he did it. He just did it because he wanted to. Or it was, like, a natural part of his life. Yeah. It's fucking creepy. Like, at least Gary Ridgway had some fucking reasons, okay? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He did. <laughs> well, I'm saying, we need to know. Like, you can't just fucking kill a bunch of people and then not fucking, you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm for him to say that he's innocent even after he literally told the cop, yeah, I did. I killed 49, I wanted to make a 50, but then I got sloppy. Yeah. Make it the big 5-0, is what he said. Make it the big 5-0. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, guys, that is uh, fucking Robert Pickton, pig farmer. Um... The most prolific serial killer in Canada to date. Yeah, to date. I mean, we don't know, but if you notice, a lot of people, they don't kill as much anymore. Like, not serial killers anymore. They're here and there, but it's because we're smart now. Yeah. Well, kind of. But yeah, anyways. Yeah, so anyways, could, okay. Could be with police departments. <laughs> right? Could be very debatable. Exactly. So, um, as always, guys... Hit us up on our Facebook group, Speaking of Murder, um, <clears throat> Twitter, Instagram, all of that fun stuff, Speaking of Murder 360. Um, if you want us to do a specific story, you want to hear something, then let us know because we're down. Um, we're not really sure what we're going to do next week, but it'll probably be pretty awesome because um, we're just awesome like that. Yes. It's fine. Anyways, Lynn will be at my house recording next week. Yeah. Um, so, until then, guys, um, I hope you have a great work week, and um, don't kill people, because then we're going to podcast about you. Or, yeah. if you do, just don't get caught until, like, later on. Okay, I agree. And then I we agree. can podcast Yeah, about and then we can podcast about you once we find out all the... Just make sure you leave us a fucking reason why. Yeah, we need to know why. Yeah. Kill people, write down the reason. We gotta know. Could be a hangry reason. Yeah. If you were, you know, you were hungry, people were withholding food, <laughs> that's a reason. It's fine. It's valid. Valid reason. <laughs> Anyways, all right, guys. <laughs> Peace out. Um, this is Amy for Speaking of Murder. Bye, guys. This is Lynn.